happy preview. Hello all and welcome to edition 135 of On The Ball, the annoying wasp of Norwich City podcasts. I'm Michael Bailey. Joining us for the pod is Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. We also have some very surprising special guests. They might not be that surprising. And we have you guys. And together we will work through Summer Swerving, Prediction Paradise, and Championship Chances. Steady on. Now's our chance. Come on. Let's make a pod. Yes, uh, I'm hoping that by the time this podcast reaches its 54th year, I will have incorporated every line of On the Ball into the script and probably brought a new level of cringe to proceedings. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Welcome. New season, new vibes, new hope, new football, new kit. Oh, I didn't mention the kit in the script. We'll get to it. Um, How are we doing, Steve? How are you? I'm oh, very well. I thought I thought the annoying wasp of podcast was a was a nod to our kit. Actually, that's that's where I thought you were going with that. I mean, I mean, it's obviously yellow and green, but the hoops are a bit waspy, aren't they? Um, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to this new level of cringe as well on on top of the one that we've already managed to uh, cultivate. So we'll see how that goes. Um, how's how's your summer been? Overpromise, under deliver. That's the uh, mantra. Uh, my summer has been good, thank you. It has been busy. It has been. Um, um, I've had some time away. I've shut down from a few things, and I've busily done other things. And it feels like the summer has gone like that. I'm very much enjoying the Women's World Cup at the moment. What a fantastic tournament! Tournament that has been, by the way. And um, and yes, been on the odd adventure with my family, which is nice um steve have you had fun have you gotten away uh i am got gottening away uh next week so that that's my trip i've uh, timed it for our first away game of the season so i will be at the whole match but um no this is ah. to be honest like i know i know obviously we all love football that otherwise we wouldn't be sitting here spending our evenings talking about it but i find that like the summer of sport it is almost like the best time when there's no football on. It's like when sport is at its best, and uh, it, it take it always takes me a while to get around to the idea of a new season. Uh, and it, it very much feels like uh, you know the Barbie Oppenheimer uh, meme that's doing the rounds. It feels like Baz Ball is very much the Barbie, and uh, Wagner Ball feels like the kind of greyed out Killian Murphy with a hat on a uh, part of that meme. But you know. I, I I'm feeling cautiously optimistic uh, after us. Very cautiously, <laughs> very, co- very yeah, cautiously yeah, optimistic. Doing a lot of heavy lifting in that in that sentence. I love it. Well, um, it's all good. Uh, we want you guys. It's just me and Steve for our opening preview podcast. Although we do have some uh, little contributions coming along. Very exciting. Um, you guys watching live, uh, we do want you to contribute. Please do get in your comments, your questions for us. Um, you can do that as you watch live on YouTube and Facebook. And we are still, I think, streaming on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. That's exciting. Uh, so get in touch. I'll try and keep an eye on the notifications. But Steve will do a much better job of that himself. Uh, and if you are not, if you are listening in the future and not live, then please do email your comments and questions to us. You can do that by emailing twitterkers at iCloud.com. Twitter, K-E-R-S at iCloud.com. Com. Uh, well, we know that at this stage, we like to crack on with what will be this season's first headline act. 
Yes, and this season's headline act is the fact that the summer has happened and that was a lot of stuff. Um, I guess each summer, Steve gets immediately drawn into the uh, transfer business, which has been interesting. Norwich got their four, I think it was, free agents in nice and early. Made sure they got those done before Stuart Webber confirmed he was leaving. And uh, then a couple of uh, signings since, which have been uh, quite interesting as well. Um, I do know who they all are, but I don't really want to go through them all by name because we probably all know who they are by now. But what has um, what has caught your eye over the incomings first, Steve? Um, I think... <sighs> Sorry, and I'm gonna I'm going to sort of move, I'm gonna take the incomings and the outgoings as, as a whole and oh. say that I there's probably not as much um kind of churn. I don't know if that's the right word. There wasn't as much turnover as I expected. Um and I kind of initially found that a little bit concerning. But having the closer we get to the season, the more I feel like this is not a bad window, actually. Um, I certainly feel more optimistic about it than the previous one. Um, uh, I think Barnes seems to be the standard. I mean, my, my feeling on the Barnes transfer is that it, it could go one of two ways. Either we get a um, highly motivated player who has won, I think, four promotions in his career, three of them to the Premier League, um, who knows this level brilliantly and has played at a higher level and will, will be one of the best players on the pitch um, most times that we play. Or you get someone who's coming to the tail end of their career, probably one of the highest earners in the squad, who's kind of looking for one last payday. Watching the Olympiacos game, I feel like we're going to get the first version of those two. Um, he looked excellent to me and kind of what we've been missing. Um, I think Duffy is... Probably, you know, given the injury to Hanley, which wouldn't have been kind of uh, legislated for before it happened in the Blackburn game in March, April, um, probably about as good a signing as they could have possibly made in that department. Again, may have spent money um, and uh, in terms of wages um, and juries out on whether he's a good player when he doesn't have Lewis Dunk alongside him. But if they can keep him fit um, again, I think the signs are good. Um, Stacey, don't know a huge amount about him. But again, solid uh, and science and fastnacks, I think, are going to take a little bit of time to uh, kind of embed themselves in the squad. But I think the five signings, senior signings they've made all have positives about them. And I've just, just had a little check. And I think I'm right in saying that we've now got players in our squad. Uh, well, basically, at least one of our squad has been promoted in eight of the last 10 championship seasons. So we have at least one player from the last 10 championship seasons that's, that's gone up. So that's a hell of a lot of positive experience obviously the profile's a lot older than it was but that's the route we've gone down and I think as that is the route we've gone down I think they couldn't have done too much better is what I would say and what's it's, your feeling the the age profile is really interesting because the starting 11 against Olympiacos which I think a lot of people looked at and thought oh that'll be our starting 11 for Hull uh, the average age was well over 28 for that. And last season, most of the average ages of the 11s were around sort of 25, I'd have said. So um, that's a considerable difference. Um, I, let's rattle through. Yeah, I'll rattle through them quickly. Uh, Ashley Barnes, I feel like he, he, I feel like he'll be motivated. He seems like a really great guy. The worry I have about him is that the team around him is not as good as the Burnley team around him last year. And there's only so much he can do on his own. Uh, Shane Duffy, uh, I think it's a really clever signing in a lot of ways, but he hasn't played 
a load of football in the last three or four years. He hasn't got through like more than 30 games, I don't think, in any of those seasons. So it's asking a lot. Um, Jack Stacey, I really, really like the look of in preseason. Like he's really caught my eye. So I'm excited about what he can do. And uh, I really like the look of him. Um, Borja Sainz looks really raw, but interesting. And I was really kind of excited about seeing him play. So that's a real shame that he's out. He got injured in his second training session. <laughs> Don't know how, but it was an ankle injury. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's all right. It sounds like he might be back a little bit earlier than people had kind of feared which would be really good. Big couple of weeks coming up in terms of whether he does get back quicker. Uh, Kellen Fisher was playing for Bromley in the National League last year, and he uh, he seems to have really caught the eye in preseason. I think probably deserves a little bit of leeway, I think, because he hasn't played anywhere near championship level, and that's a massive step up. So, But uh, it's good that he's impressed in that way. Um Vicente Reyes, probably how you pronounce it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Very, very talented young Chilean goalkeeper and apparently a really, really good signing. Um, maybe one for a few years' time. But um, I'm curious what that will mean for Tim Krul. There's already been the odd link about Tim Krul maybe ending up somewhere else, but I'd love to see if anyone, you know, it kind of depends on who offers to to, to, uh, to come in for him, which I guess is why Max Ahrens and Milot Rashitsa are kind of still here as well because... Galatasaray want Milot, but it appears that they are yet to offer enough money. Um, so I guess we're just waiting on that, which doesn't seem ideal for anyone. And Max is now a European champion with England's under-21s. And he's still here, um, which is interesting I mean, as well. I, I feel like... I feel like watch this space with the Southampton. I know the Southampton link is, a, I, but just Livermento basically looks like he's on his way to Newcastle. That means they will have money. That means they may be looking for a right back. I, I Southampton was just one for me that I thought would fit like a couple of months ago for Max. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I know nothing. I don't. I, I never know anything. So it's purely conjecture. But it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either. And um, I have been on my best behaviour since the end of last season, because no one wants to hear me bringing out realities. This is the exciting time of the season where everyone gets, you know, excited and has hope. Um, I don't, I think I would, I've been fascinated with where Max ends up and um, I will struggle to buy the whole, he's outgrown us, he's needed to move on, he needs to be a blah, blah, bigger club to do whatever, blah, 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 and then he ends up at Southampton. I know they've only just been relegated from the Premier League, but that I find would be more of a statement of where Norwich now find themselves than how much Max has grown. Um, but there we go. Well, I, Sorry. I, th- I think if Max is, is still here at the end of this window, I think it would be fair to say that that's because nobody has come in with the kind of money that we would want for him or even come in at all, potentially. Um, I, you know, I think we're past the point now where we are holding on to him as a prized asset. That presumably is what the signing of Stacey was for. Um, they don't look short at right back potentially, even if he goes. So, uh, you know, if if Fisher is kind of the real deal. So, yeah, th- it, it does feel like the time would be right for all parties, assuming there's a suitor. Um, just quickly on the age profile. So if I did a quick look before at the average age of the players that we signed in each of the summer windows to bolster the first team squad. Um Nothing massively surprising about this, really, but 
I checked the last seven windows, so the seven windows that we've had under Stuart Weber. So 2017, the average age was 24.3. 2018 was 25.7, so quite old for the promotion year. 25.8 in 2019, then the next three years goes 22.4, 22.7, 22.3. So that's pretty young for first-team players. And then this season, it's gone up to 28.4. So that is a huge difference in terms of the policy and the players that we're looking to bring in, we've kind of tried the let's get them in young and develop them while they're still playing for it. But for us, it hasn't really worked. Um, so I kind of agree with going a different way, or at least let's try something different as the last couple of years have been a bit of a write-off, really. I think the tricky thing is that you bring in the experience to help bring along the young guns. That's the idea. Um, but of course, if Max Aarons gets sold, say Andrew Omabamadeli gets sold, um, there, there, there will only be so many young players that are involved in these 11s. So it won't so much be about these older players bringing on the younger ones. It'll be just an old team <laughs> with some players coming through. But, um, you know, it will be interesting how it develops. And, and these teams are always kind of a, a shifting in terms of their dynamics. Uh, we've covered everyone who's arrived off, haven't we? I've just got my list here. Jack Stacey, Shane Duffy... Uh, this is part of my preparations, obviously. Is there anyone? Uh, well, we haven't, didn't actually... haven't really talked about Christian Fasnacht in great detail. And he's the one ah. who we've spent some money on. Um, I mean, I, I, my impression of him from the Olympiacos game, I know he only got 45 minutes, is that he might take a bit of time to get used to it. But I think he'll be an interesting one because he scores, he seems to get goals and assists from that area. He's, he's got a bit of height about him, which. Um, maybe implies and you know and his goal against um, Toulouse was headed from a corner if, if I'm right in saying it I was think, indeed, which yeah, is not yeah. necessarily what you expect from a right winger so um, might be a slightly different profile to to what we're used to so I don't know if you I mean I presume you know more than me Michael so uh, I would I don't know definitely not presume that <laughs> I would not presume that I, I think the interesting thing for me with that is that He's quite clearly a David Wagner signing because he worked with him. Mm. Um, I feel like that's probably the signing that was at least helped in terms of the money for James Madison, the the add-on that sort of came through from his sale. Um, and th th there seems to be a... It seems to be that David Wagner wants wingers that are going to come in and inside more and affect the game in terms of in, of sort of central chances. Um which I think Fasnacht appears to be quite good at. Uh, he's an experienced guy. He's never been away. It's a big move for him. And I hope he settles. That's the kind of thing I think that will probably dictate how successful the move is. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm really interested to see him play more because ultimately he got a few minutes against Toulouse having literally just arrived. And then Olympiakos kind of passed him by a little bit, I thought, but that's probably understandable. He has had a full preseason under his belt, so hopefully he'll be ready to go and crack on. And um, I think I had a quick chat with Chris Gorham for the BBC Radio Norfolk earlier today. And th for me, him and, and signs are probably the kindest, actually for me, more the kind of signings that will um, make sure Norwich have the sort of quality that keeps them kind of where they need to be going into this season. I think if they hadn't made those kind of signings, I'd actually be a little bit more worried about them. But I think, um, yeah, I think they represent uh, a, a, a decent step for what they, you know, for at least some sort of consistent uh, platform to establish themselves properly in, into the season and get going. There you go. That was positive, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yes, the, indeed. The um, 
scale of success you've got tim closure on one side and josip drumic on the other so you've got to think that like he'll fall probably somewhere between those two right yes somewhere between the <laughs> swiss stools yeah two um, swiss stools yeah, that's fine, isn't it? Um, that's exciting. Um, outwise, there there really hasn't been anything, has there? I mean, we, we sort of mentioned about Milo and Max still being around. Uh, Andrew Omabama I, mean, I, think... I mean, slight alarm bells that we're talking about AC, uh, AC Milan uh, getting involved in like lower million euros bids because that would that would be a slight sign of desperation if they were selling him for anything near that having um, suggested that they turned down 20 million quid for him in January. So, uh, and I would, uh, I'm very much assuming that if Andrew is sold, then he is a player they would need to replace. I think that's probably, I guess the point is it's not ideal, but Norwich appear to be doing their business in the latter stages of the window. And we'll be hoping that ramps up some of the price for these players, even though there's obviously still, still be hoping that they'll go. And I'm sure they need the money just to balance their books. I mean, I I think, one outgoing that we probably do need to mention is Bali Mumba. Uh, I mean, I have some thoughts on that. I don't know what you think. Tell me your thoughts, Michael. Steve. Tell me your thoughts. <laughs> I'm going to be more hyperbolic than you. I mean, I, I, I get that the guy has hardly played for us and actually also understand that um, he's in a position where we've got a decent amount of depth. So it's possible that he may not have played that much. It's possible he may not have wanted to be here. I'm staggered that we sold him for a reported, was it one and a half million pounds? Might have been less than that. Um, You're talking about the best young player in the league below. Um, And maybe there wasn't a huge amount of interest in him, but why not loan him out again? Uh, You know, there was time left on his deal, I believe. So could we not have loaned him out to Plymouth again, seen how he got on in the championship? Supposedly he's a player that likes to play at wing back and we weren't going to play the back three, but David Wagner might not be here next year and he's only 22. I'm amazed that we sold him for such a low price given that the policy of the club over the last few years has been to buy players so that we can sell them on for profit and we desperately need money um i'm i'm really really surprised that we only got that amount for him i'm not necessarily saying he would have made a big difference to our team this season because if he's not in wagner's plans then so be it but i it just struck me as not being great business. And I think we have been good at getting value for our young players, but that one just seemed like a massive misstep to me. It's interesting you say that because uh, um, Norwich would probably say that they, without me wishing to speak on their behalf, but they they would go, well, we signed Bali for like 300 grand and we sold him for a million quid. So we have sold him at a profit. <laughs> um, we've turned him around. He wasn't going to play here and he, he doesn't feature. Um, I mean, that's what they would say. I would still feel like, like you that a million pounds is probably still relatively cheap. I guess if Bali wanted to go back and wanted to play at Plymouth, then that makes things a little bit more awkward. Um, uh, it does seem a shame that they've sold him, but I, I don't necessarily think we would have seen him much this year. And he had a long contract. And yeah, I kind of probably did expect him to just go out on loan again to Plymouth um, uh, and just sort of do that again. And um, so fair play to Plymouth for making it happen. And they seem absolutely delighted with it. Uh, And they're the ones who've got to obviously adjust to championship life, but they've got a very good manager and they had a really good season last year. So um, it's a really fascinating one. Sometimes these circumstances just arise 
and you kind of have to deal with it. I, I also, I don't know if they would have sold Bali for that had Max already been sold uh, or mm. had uh, Mila already gone and they'd already got their money for those two. I genuinely think they've looked at it and gone, well, we can get some money for him and there's no guarantee at the moment we're going to get any money for Max. Um, so that's probably, I think they need the money and I think that's kind of um, probably why they pushed the button on it as well, which kind of was in the back of my mind. I remember writing a squad audit at the end of last season and just writing, you know, Bali's had a great season. He is genuinely one of the sellable assets. He's genuinely a player mm-hmm. someone would want to come in and buy and I've not really ever been convinced that Max is necessarily that, which sounds ridiculous, but I just think if someone had been serious about wanting him, he'd have already gone by now. So it's um, it's a shame. I mean, but I, mean I, I think it's a great move for Bali and I think it's a great move for Plymouth. So Yeah, I, I could see it being one of those where in a few years' time we're kind of like, ah, yeah, maybe maybe we could have maybe we could have held on to him for a bit longer, but maybe maybe he, he won't turn out to be you know the next um, uh, Cafu or whatever. Um, but I, I <laughs> well, think that would be a stretch. Yeah, but maybe maybe there's a chance there's a chance that might not happen. Uh, but I suppose the other thing is he's not kind of uh, you know if I'm a if I'm a sports psychologist uh, working with the squad right now, I'm like just forget last season ever happened. Um, just put it to the back of your mind and and never go back there again. Mumba doesn't have that um, psychological scar tissue um, and would have actually been a kind of fresh face um, off the back of a really successful campaign. Um, but yeah, I feel like we've spent five minutes talking about it, which is probably, probably now. No, it's fine. It's a, it's a good idea to exercise it. Um, what I would say is the, the problem with that um, positive uh, arrival that Bali would have brought initially was that he would have seen Jack Stacey playing very well, getting lots of minutes and no sign of a wing back slot. <laughs> I think he probably, yeah. but I, I think it became quite clear if you watch what was going on, that Bali was like, this is just, this is not where I'm going to flourish next season. And I think that probably plays into it as well. So there we go. But there was one out. So he is the out. Um, mm, I mean, I would normally have. Probably- I was going to say the the irony is that, uh, of course, the player who's heading out on loan potentially later this week is one who they probably wouldn't mind getting a fee for and and selling. But uh, yeah, Christos Scholles looks like he's off to Dusseldorf. I mean, you know, fair play. We're sending him off to some lovely uh, parts of uh, mainland Europe, so he's uh, he's got that going for him. But uh, yeah, that's oh my god, it's just gone horribly wrong that that whole transfer. I think it's it, that would make it. Um, of our record six signings, um, there'd have been between them sent out on loan six times before any of them have had a contract renewed. So it's uh, yes. not, not going ideally. Uh, that that is quite a shocking step. Um, and the fact we just keep to keep sending them out on loan, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, yeah, the, the, I have to say the fact if and it hasn't been confirmed, and David Wagner today didn't want to talk about the actual club. But obviously, it's uh, it's uh, Eintracht Düsseldorf, is it that um, that he's been linked with? Uh, is that right? Fortuna Düsseldorf. Fortuna Düsseldorf. Um, and uh, that, yeah, I I've, I struggled to think that. Well, it just seems like such a drop off that the, the German second tier is where Christoph will be operating last year. But then he was at championship team for the second half of last season and didn't feature much either and I remember watching him at West Brom and there was a moment in the first half where 
a player just ran completely off the back of him and he didn't track him. And I just looked at it and thought, yeah, this is just, that's why, that's why it doesn't, that level of maturity on the pitch just isn't there. And he'd have probably been better off had Daniel Farker not labelled him one of the hottest young prospects in European football, because that seems to have, uh, that seems to have been a a rod for Christos's back. It's a shame because there is clearly a player there. And I think he showed some of that actually, ironically against Toulouse, which, um, will probably be his final final appearance in a potentially in a Norwich shirt for for the first team I mean, at least. So, will we will we see him again? Do you think? I I like I, I, he's still got time on his deal. I guess has he got another year after he comes back? I mean, is is there a chance that he could play really well in the German second division, at which he's probably well, it's going to be a lower level than the Championship, and come back kind of renewed and refreshed. Well, I saw, well, it depends who the manager is, depends how mature he is, yeah. how the season goes, all sorts of things. Um, you know, it, uh, it depends if Dimmy's, Janulis is still here, I suppose, because they're, they're, they're seen, seen as obviously that if, he, if he's not going to play in front of him, he's probably not going to play in front of someone else. Um, the, the thing I don't understand is that there's been suggestions that Dusseldorf would, I mean, Jolis cost almost £9 million, and there's a suggestion that Dusseldorf would would have an option for a for a, an option that would would have an option to buy him permanently for a fee that would re- let Norwich recoup a lot of that. It might be true, but I generally not sure. I see a second tier German team spending eight seven million pounds. There's no money. They won't have the money to pay that, even if he gets them up. Unless I would have thought so. Unless he's so good, yeah, he gets them promoted, and they can't do without him. But. Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's not really much evidence that that's going to suddenly happen, I don't think. I, I don't, unless there's like a £7 million add-on. Uh, I don't really see it, but there we go. Um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, so there, there is always a possibility that Christoph rocks up next preseason to go again. <laughs> He's still got another couple of years on his deal, I think, at least. Um, so there we go. Uh, one other out um, we obviously do know about now is Stuart Webber. He uh, announced that he will be leaving the club. Don't know when. Um, by March, probably. So that's happening. Norwich, by all accounts, began the search for their search for a replacement at the start of the summer. Um, so we'll see how that pans out and who gets that gig. Um, and that's all of that business, really. Uh other business still to be done probably depends on who leaves. If anyone else leaves, then maybe they'll replace them. But I don't think they'll get anyone in if Max or Milot leave. I think they've already covered for those. And that just leaves the preseason friendlies and what they actually look like. Steve, did you watch any? Well, I saw the highlights of a couple and I watched the Olympiacos game in full. Um, I mean, if, if we were in any doubts from uh, our couple of our signings that the level of football in Greece has dropped off a little bit then Olympiacos came here and proved that a little bit last Saturday I thought I didn't think they were very good um but yeah, they beat Rangers I mean, 3-1 a few days ago no way <laughs> okay I didn't know that well you know, know. maybe <laughs> maybe Todd well, would... and uh and Kieran Dowell are not all they're uh, cracked up to be you know you heard it here first uh, yeah quite but... what, what I would say is um I think from their team, there weren't. I think half of them had basically been away the previous season and come back, and uh, there weren't that many regular first team starters last year, from what I could tell, just a handful. But um, yeah, okay. Well, we'll we'll give them the benefit of the doubt then. I mean, I suppose as you know, taking preseason as a whole, um, 
three goals conceded in seven games, I think, and two of those were in the first two when we were like, I guess, you know, not fully up to speed and probably weren't that asked about keeping clean sheets that much, I guess. So that kind of indicates that we're going to be solid and that um, hopefully that's something that we can continue. And to be honest, like, it, it, it's, it's felt like quite a long time since we've been able to say, well, you know, I suppose the, the 2020-21 uh, promotion team had that about them, but you don't get promoted very often without having a solid base um, to, to build off. So that's that's got to be something promising. I I don't think it's going to be massively entertaining from what I've seen. Um, I think we're probably going to have to get used to that. I think the crowd are going to have to get used to that. Well, I, I suppose you could argue we're, we're pretty well trained for that. Actually, after that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, even if it's winning football, it's not going to be, uh, you know, this is going to come to a shock uh, as a shock, I'm sure the sort of swashbuckling Fark style. Um, but I think we're probably at a point where as long as it results in a team that and a system that fans can get behind, and, you know, I, I think the signings, again, I think the signings we've made will help with that, and I don't think people will mind. Oh, and the other observation is that I, don't, I had a slightly lower seat in the south stand, so I don't know if it was my angle. They look bloody massive. I feel like we've got a team of giants <laughs> now. Maybe we don't, but it feels like we like. I think maybe Stacey at right back helps with that. But it feels like we've got a yeah. real physicality about us. I'm looking forward to seeing that. No, I'd definitely agree. I think given you sort of, uh, yeah, no Max, no Liam Gibson, the starting eleven. It, it is was a and you know, Liam's not that sure, but he's quite slight. It was quite. Um, yeah, definitely a bigger team. Uh, I mean, I um I haven't seen huge amounts of preseason. That's not anything particularly unusual. I've been doing this job fifteen years. I've literally been to one preseason tour in that time, so I've missed loads of preseason lots of the times. But I've managed Which to live anyway. That was um twenty 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 one. So it was after Premier League relegation, but before yeah, basically the second summer of COVID. Where I really, you know, you're like, well, that would have been really hard to go to. But, um, oh no, it was 2020. Yeah, it was the summer of 2020. It was literally um, that October. So, um, yeah, went to Germany with Daniel Farker and his crew. Are we allowed to still mention his name? <laughs> um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it was fun. And, uh, you know, it was really good. Um, I enjoyed it. But that is literally the only time I've been on a preseason uh, tour and watched. Um, watch games it obviously helps when the club facilitate some um, interviews that make it worthwhile um but yeah i've uh yeah i saw, saw the highlights and things and I, I wouldn't disagree with much of what you said I, I still think they look a bit clunky in attack and i was at the olympiakos game and for as bang average as olympiakos looked it did kind of take a horribly ridiculous deflected kenny mclean shot from 25 yards and a lump into the box headed down by Shane Tuffy where the keeper thought he was fouled and clearly wasn't uh yeah so um but it's pre-season and generally I find it absolutely matters not a single jot you can watch it and then you can maybe apply some of it in hindsight once you've seen some actual competitive action but it's very much like the Mike Tyson um quote where you everyone has a plan until they get smashed in the face. And the reality is you cannot get smashed in the face until someone's actually fighting you. And that only comes from the first game of the season. So um, uh, that's the exciting thing about that. And we will talk about that uh, in a bit. Um, but yeah, unbeaten. 
in seven friendlies. As you say, only three goals conceded, in, including a gorgeous home goal by Shane Duffy against Kings Lynn. Um, so, you know, as, as much as they could do, it was all good, I reckon. Uh, and I think only one, well, Borja Science is injured and then Jakob Sernsen has a bit of an issue with his groin. So uh, hopefully that doesn't keep him out too long, but it has curtailed his preseason. That's me saying very solemn there. Very solemn. He is still alive. It's fine. Um, and there we go. Yeah, I think we've wrapped up everything that's happened pretty well there. Maybe what, uh, John Rowe is the only other thing I want to say. John Rowe has played Premier League football for Norwich, had a really wretched time with injuries last season, hasn't really done anything to justify the whole, way John Rowe kind of thing. But um, I love him being interviewed because he's clearly got something about him and he's he's got a great personality. Uh, but more to the point, in pre-season, he's shown some some good possibilities of affecting games, which has been really nice to see. Uh, so um, he could he could genuinely make an impact. Uh, likewise, uh, Tony Springett um, should just really do diary rooms um, whenever he can, because that was quite funny on the club's YouTube channel. So um, Tony Gary, yes, oh, good. Tony Gary, friend of the pod, um, friend of the pod. Um, well, just uh, Mister. Oh, no, we'll, we'll we'll come on to this. We, we we can talk. We'll talk predictions. We'll talk future games in a moment. Um, but yeah, John John Rowe still not started a, a professional game of football. I don't think. Um, so <laughs> really, well, well overdue. Well overdue. Wow, that would be a good sweep. When will he get his full days? No, he must have. I, are you sure he hasn't started a game? Really? I'm, okay. Well, as I say again, this is this is where we come back to. Please, please tell us if we're wrong. But I have a feeling oh, all his um, appearances have been off the bench so far. I could be wrong about that because obviously he I feel like spent most of us injured when he would have started a cup game. But um, uh, please tell me if I am wrong on that. Um, I, I'm sure people will. Um, oh, I will come to it. Mr. Jordan H says, "Who starts for you, Hernandez or Ray?" Uh, I, let's, I'm assuming we're talking Saturday here. Um, I, I, I think Onel will start. Um, but I wouldn't be averse to Roy being given a go, I have to say. No, um, but I suppose the thing to say is on Saturday when John Rowe came on, he, it's a different affecting a game during it rather than from the start. So I could understand that pattern repeating against Hull um, and that could be a spark when Norwich need it. Uh, Nell was a little disappointing, I thought, but I mean, as I say, it's last preseason friendly. It really doesn't matter in any grand context. So I think... Um, uh, but what might be interesting is whether David Wagner sort of took that on board and, um, um, you know, what he decides to go with will be really interesting. But I would, like you, Steve, imagine an L starts. But I, I really like what John is doing. And I think if he keeps doing what he is doing then and in competitive games, then I don't think the start would be very far away. That would be my view. What else have we got in the comments, Steve? Let's go through some of these. Um, I think a lot of it. We already seem to have covered, and I think we'll oh. talk about we'll start talking about other other teams. Um, Harvey, hi Harvey. Harvey Monk says, anyone weirdly optimistic? Given defensively and structurally, we look so much better. Uh, creativity may come with Borja Saints coming back maybe earlier than expected. And Wagner did touch on that today, didn't he, in his press conference to say that um, I think Saints initially it was looking like he was going to be out till October, but maybe not now. So that's handy. 
Yes, I think the suggestion is it's a big couple of weeks coming up in terms of how he deals with his training and things like that. I mean, obviously, he's just come from Turkish football, played previously in Spain, so there'll be a bit of adaptation once he gets in. Um, but yeah, they're really good news and, and hopefully these couple of weeks go well so he's he's playing because I'm, I'm really interested in in seeing what he can do. I There is a piece on The Athletic about Borja. There's, there's not been many over the summer on a, of a Norwich subject, but uh, there is that one, uh, which so sorry then got injured. But uh, it's been really it was really interesting watching his clips and seeing what he does well and, and maybe what, what where he might need to just tighten up and and work on um but yes away we go and in uh, in regards to what harvey said about being wildly optimistic we will have some predictions and thoughts from some colleagues coming up yeah we'll see we'll see wild wild optimism in there yeah we'll see a wild <laughs> optimism is by the end uh kevin buller has said hi guys welcome back thank you kevin i'm pleased with the signings but think we need a 20 goal striker on another note is there any news of rob neiman coming on board have various rumors have you guys um to take the 20 goal striker point i think that would be my only issue with barnes is that i don't know like i don't know how that Sar- Barnes, Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Barnes, which sounds like as a part, you know, should be some character in Platoon or something. But I, I feel like they're kind of similar, or at least they're not necessarily out and out goal scorers. So maybe Josh is going to have to adapt in order to play alongside Barnes, who I'm guessing is kind of going to be the foil. And the expectation is that Josh will score the goals, but he's going to need to hit that kind of form we saw early last season because. Um, he, he he's not a he's not an out and out goal getter, is he? Really, from the evidence we've seen, no. And he does get his goals from crosses. And uh, I look at the way Norwich are kind of trying to attack, and it it all seems a bit more central. So I mean, Jack Stacey will get forward and put a ball in the box. So, but they are going to probably be relying on that. Which um, what I keep seeing now is how crossing isn't a particularly efficient way of creating goal scoring chances. So um, we'll see how that develops. And obviously they'll need a nickname, um, uh, but, but probably BS is, is, is harsh. So um, I have to come up with a nickname for Barnes and Sergeant. Barnes Sergeant is as good as I can muster on on the spot. And it's not particularly inspired. uh, yeah, or Josh, Josh and Ash, uh, but that doesn't really work particularly brilliantly either. Oh, um, Blathwaite says, uh, Rowe has never played more than 40 minutes in a first-team game, couple league. Longest was 39 minutes against Blackpool. So there you go. Find that, uh, and that staggering. And therein lies the secret to getting your comment read out is uh, just, just back up something that I've said, which is... And then um, I think the only other one in terms of stuff that we haven't already covered, but thank you everyone for sending your comments in. Steve Richard says, uh, which new shirt do you prefer? Um, are, you a, are you a hoop fan or a, are, are you thinking Angry Wasp? Um, on on the kit, what's, what's your thought? Yeah, I think um, I think it's sort of it didn't look as bad in the flesh um, when I first saw it. Uh, whenever it was, um, I thought that uh, I saw a lot of designs that basically didn't have the hoops. So maybe just the stripe, the the two stripes, one above and one below the the um, the shirt sponsor, or no hoops at all. And they both look nicer, <laughs> if I'm honest. But um, I'm sort of used to it now. I wouldn't say it's grown on me, but it's just like, oh, okay. I mean, it is a pretty radical shirt, really, because I don't think Norwich have 
ever had hoops in their history i don't think so um uh and and we're in the stupid situation where you know you've got hoops and now you've got hoops going across the numbers on the back and i hate that i i I much prefer it's like when reading and qpr turn up you you should have a blue box or a blue background on the back so you can read the numbers properly because otherwise you've got these silly lines making it really hard so um and i never thought i'd have that issue with an orange shirt but there we go so you know what I don't really like it. Not really. But I, I will, my eyes will <laughs> You really talked yourself out of that, didn't you? Really talked yourself out It's not offensive, but, it, you know, I I can think of numerous shirts. But to be honest, I don't really like the 2018-19 shirt. Well, and this, really. this goes back to the old theory, doesn't it, of bad kit equals good season. So maybe they've deliberately uh, released something that's, like, egregious and uh, that will, will end up uh, being fantastic. Um, obviously, that... Well, that's completely scientific and will work. So yeah, there was a, there was the curiosity of them, you know, an- announcing the away kit first because of a kit clash, and then leaving that for basically two weeks, and then just sort of whisking out the home shirt. That, that's sort of what it felt like extern- externally. I'm sure it wasn't like that internally. But I can't. I um, can't even remember. The, is, is, is it black and black and grey? The what, what, I can't remember the away kit. What color is it's it? It's green. Green with some trim. It's green. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. We no, uh, we're still awaiting the third kit, I believe. So I guess they will await the game away from home that Norwich will wear it in to then launch it. So that will be exciting. Well, um, I'm going to so, yeah. say that to my face. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> maybe. Um, Right, that's all grand. Uh, there are normally what we do now is things we are not going to talk about, um, but Bali Mumba we have already spoken about. I didn't have many because I knew we were going to cover through lots of other things. Uh, Ipswich question mark. Don't want to talk about that. The fact that we're going to mm. play them. No. Um, and um, well, Daniel Farker at Leeds is probably the other one. Steve, you've gone very. You've you've stopped moving, Steve. I'm sure it's fine. Um, Hopefully I'm still broadcasting. I will await Steve to rejoin. <clears throat> it's like breaking the pod. This is, you know, no, go get a cup of tea. No, don't actually. That would involve going away. We've lost Steve for a moment, but um, Alan Montgomery has been in touch. Michael, how are you finding the extra non-Norid stuff you're doing for The Athletic? Well, actually, Alan, thank you for asking. This does allow me to uh, bring something up because, yeah, something that I've obviously been asked a lot about in uh, in recent weeks. Those observant of you will realize I do still work for The Athletic and will continue to work for The Athletic. Uh, I am enjoying very much hosting The Daily Football Briefing, which is a new daily podcast we're doing, 10 minutes really short across all the football news every day. And I'm hosting that for a couple of days in midweek. Uh, I've been writing about all sorts of other fun stuff across the world of football. And uh, I would like to think that most people can work out that if I'm doing more other stuff, I will probably be doing less Norwich stuff. So uh, Steve is back with us, which is lovely. Uh, Grant and the Wi-Fi seems to be working, so that's good. Um, as I was, as I was saying. Uh, so yes, um, the season going forwards, I am still covering Norwich City. I am still covering Norwich City for the Athletic. I will still be at games. I will still be writing stories about the big stuff and probably some little stuff as well. Will I be at every game next season? Probably not. Um, in fact, I'm not even at the Hull game because I've got to look after my two children, but that's a different story. Um, but I will probably not be at every game next season, but I will be at a good number 
And if there's something really important that happens, I can assure you I will desperately try and break it um, first, but I will definitely be bringing you uh, and the subscribers to The Athletic the really important stuff involving Norwich City over the course of the season. So that addresses that, I hope. Uh, I know there hasn't been much during pre-season, but in all honesty, it's pre-season and it doesn't really matter. So we will get there. Um, and yes, that's grand. It does also mean, by the way, this podcast, which I hope you all uh, very much enjoy, we will probably be, be doing it every fortnight rather than every week. I hope that's okay with everyone. Um, but, you know, hopefully you'll also be thankful we're still doing it, <laughs> which will be good. Um, so that's the plan. Um, and I think that's fine. You know, championship football comes at us fast. Things change really quickly. If we can give ourselves a slightly longer window, we will all make less of a fool of ourselves. Isn't that right, Steve? Oh, Steve's Wi-Fi is poorly. Um, but I can see his face, which obviously doesn't really help with the <laughs> actual um, audio podcast. So I think in that case, I'm going to quickly move us on to this part of the podcast, which is a bit of the late and great John Motson. This is almost fantasy football. Yes, this is almost fantasy football. It is time for us to listen to um, our thoughts ahead of the next big championship season, which obviously kicks off at the weekend. Um, I'm hoping at some point Steve will just start talking over me and that will mean that he can hear me and his Wi-Fi is back up to speed. I think so. <laughs> uh, I, I lost you at the point where you started talking about Ipswich. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if that's a sign. Uh, it's a sign of the chaos, I think, to come. My Wi-Fi is definitely not up for weekly uh, pods, I don't think. Uh, but hopefully you can hear me. I don't even know if you can hear me, but um, yeah. Um, but I'm sure you filled beautifully, whatever you said. Something like that. Yeah, I, I failed. Um, uh, yes, indeed. Well, it's lovely to have you back, Steve. Um, we will we will muddle through. Uh, keep your questions and comments coming in if you're watching uh, live, and we'll go through some of those. Uh, but yeah, this is the time where we can look ahead to the championship season. It looks like a really strong championship or it did when the fixtures came out and when the lineup was set. But now we're kind of at the start of the season. I'm actually finding I'm picking holes in a lot more of the teams. And although it's a really big lineup of clubs, I don't know who's actually in a really strong, <laughs> healthy position. And I'm kind of wondering, is this actually, is it going to be that strong a division? I'm not sure. Um, I look through it and I think, okay, the three promoted teams bode well. Um, but also Daniel Farker and Russell Martin, they're not really quick impact build it immediately managers. They like to take a bit of time before their teams get going. So um, that leaves me with Leicester, who have got a boss who hasn't managed by himself in ages and is, you know, there because he's been Pep Guardiola's assistant, which isn't necessarily a good thing if you're managing in the championship. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, maybe Norwich can finish in the top six and hit, bring it on, eh, Steve? <laughs> yeah, well, top top two, seeing as you've picked a few holes in the uh, in the relegated teams. I'm finding it I'm finding it hard to look past those three just because I think they'd all been in the Premier League for a reasonable amount of time. I say for me, I think I think Southampton could be the ones. I, I just think like, I mean, we know that teams that finish bottom of the Premier League can go. It can go really well or it can go really badly the following season. We've had evidence of both sides of those. 
And Russ hasn't really proved himself at properly anywhere yet, but I just think it's a good fit. I think the squad is quite young. They haven't lost that many players. Um, you know, even Ward Prowse might potentially stay. I think there's a good core there. The players who are moving on didn't get used that much last season anyway. So uh, obviously we'll see how good they are because we've, they're our first away game. So um, they perhaps, perhaps we'll go there and win and the, this will sound totally ridiculous in a fortnight's time. Um, but they're the ones to me. Uh, Leeds are the one I would be most worried about despite the fact they've got Farker for exactly the reasons you've said. He's not an immediate kind of come in and make things better type coach from our experience and also I'm not convinced that that the squad that they've of players they've got wasn't just lifted to another level by Bielsa and actually the players that are still there are kind of there's a few who have been middling championship players for a while who were really good under Bielsa and almost like they've fallen to their natural level so if I was to pick a top two I think I'd go Saints and Leicester right now um yeah I think I've done the Canary Trust Canary Challenge today and I think I've put the three relegated sides in my top six most definitely and then I think I've got West Brom Watford and Sunderland completing the top six but it's a bit of a you know I don't feel particularly convinced about any of that Watford um, is interesting yeah why not well I think that's based on on um uh, Valerian Ishmael who I quite like as a manager and I think he can get things going but that may be completely flawed logic what do I know nothing um but um Yes, it will be interesting. I think with the three relegated teams, it completely depends on the the, the mindset, really. Because if, if they get a fast start and they actually don't sell some players, like say James Ward-Prowse is still at Southampton and the window closes and they've won, you know, four of their first five, then they'll probably walk it <laughs> because they'll start going, oh, actually, this is loads of fun. And off you go. Um, I mean, that seems highly unlikely, obviously, but you just you just don't really know. Really. It depends on what, what kind of hands the clubs are playing. And um, and yeah, what does Daniel Farker get out of Patrick Bamford? And Sam Byron played in a preseason friendly there, I think, um, yeah, over it? the summer as well. So I don't think he's actually signed, but, you know, it's all it's all interesting to watch. Um, and so that's all grand. Uh, yeah, obviously Ipswich are back. I saw Ipswich. I think Ipswich's odds for promotion are quite similar to Norwich's. Um, the... Well, I have Ipswich to finish above us so uh and i don't know what you know we we may still remain unbeaten i think the fixtures list has been kind to us in that we go to portman road when the season's quite a long way in so we don't have to go there when there's this raucous kind of like they, they seem to be very excited about playing us and i think so to to have that happen in august or september would probably not be a good thing um and then we get them uh towards the end uh the back end of the season don't we I just feel it feels like they're on. I mean, they were supposedly playing so well at the end of last season that it almost felt a bit like when we were in League One under Lambert and just rolling teams over like we almost shouldn't have been at that level. How that translates to a season of the championship, I don't know. But it feels like they're on a an upward trajectory. Um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> feels feels wrong just to say it out loud on a on a Norwich City podcast, but. Um, I'm trying to be completely objective about it. Um, I I, I kind of like the chances. I don't think they'll make the top six, but I think they could well be top half. Well, that's why I didn't want to talk about them, if I'm honest. But there we yeah, go. Sorry, that was when I dropped out. That, <laughs> yeah. so perhaps, perhaps that was a sign that I should have just left it there. Um, but we will see. Obviously, I'm not going to pass comment uh, because you've already heard it once. You don't want to hear it for a second time. Uh, should we get some season predictions? 
Yeah, I mean, my Wi-Fi could go again at any moment. So uh, let's let's have someone other than me talking. That would be great. Well, you'll still get our faces for those watching live. But um, allow me to introduce the first of our three season previews. This is from the wonderful Daniel Brigham. Requested. Where do we finish this season? Well, I think that's... Did that start at the beginning? Dependent it did on not. How... No. <laughs> great one. Um, we're, we're a bit rusty. We're a bit rusty. Why, would it, why would it not... Hello there, Michael, Steve, and everyone on the Lovely no, on the Wall podcast. No, Here are my predictions for Norwich City's 23-24 wow. campaign. We've had some great right. troubles tonight. There we go. <laughs> Daniel Brigham. Hello, Michael and Stephen and everyone listening. Um, so, predictions as requested. Where do we finish this season? Well, I think that's dependent on how much I'll be complaining about Sargent and Barnes being uh, shoehorned together as a strike partnership. If that does happen, then I reckon it's a brief flirt with uh, the bottom three for the first few months of the season before hello mid-table tedium. If that doesn't happen and Josh Sargent gets given a run at number nine and shows his early season form from last year, then I reckon maybe scraping top six. Player of the season, positive me, says Josh Sargent for banging in those 20-plus goals. That takes us to the playoffs. Negative me, says Sarah, again, for brief moments of joy amongst the general gloom. Um, unlikely hero this season. I mean, lots of candidates for that, but I'm going to go for whichever Ipswich player becomes a new Gareth McCauley and scores an own goal against us. Um, other predictions for the season really looking forward to Daniel Farker versus Russell Martin grudge match and my prediction is Russell Martin going right up in Farker's grill during the pitch side scrap at St Mary's um, I can see however David Wagner outlasting both Farker and Russell Martin but that will probably say more about Norwich City than it does about Leeds or Southampton however I don't see Wagner lasting the entire season and I reckon Natchez Pellatch will be interim manager at some point uh, winners Leicester City, dark horses for the top six, or even higher, Stoke City. Beautiful work from Daniel there. We haven't actually mentioned uh, Narcis Palach, who is a new uh, first-team coach, uh, recruited from Huddersfield, but he hadn't worked under David Wagner. Completely clean sweep. But interestingly, he was basically putting himself forward for head coach jobs during the summer and didn't get the Blackpool job, so is now at Norwich. And he definitely seems to be like someone who, uh, let's just say it doesn't go very well. David Wagner is relieved of his duties. You kind of do feel like Palach would sort of be the one who'd be like, yeah, I'll look after the team from here, guys. So, um, yeah, that seems uh, that seems like a plausible um, suggestion. Um, obviously, great to hear Dan's voice. I think it's fair to say we've uh, left the wild optimism stage of the podcast well and truly now. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that we can we can pull it back. Oh, by the way, I've not not heard these predictions yet, but um... I have. I have. Okay, I, we I haven't have. left it. We haven't left the wild optimism permanently. I can thank you. God. Well, who have um, we got next then, Michael? Well, um, next, let me bring you the wonderful. And I don't think he asks a question in any of this. Or quiz question. It's the wonderful Ryan Livermore. Hello there, Michael, Steve, and everyone on the lovely On the Ball podcast. Here are my predictions for Norwich City's 23 24 campaign. Right, 
I think Josh Sargent will finish Norwich's top scorer this year and he will be player of the season as well. I don't think Norwich will necessarily have an unsung hero per se, but I think Liam Gibbs will have the biggest breakthrough of the year and Jack Stacey will be the best summer signing. I think Norwich this year will finish with a rather bland top half finish, not really flirting with relegation or indeed looking particularly capable of a substantial top six push either. Um, I do unfortunately think that Norwich are going to lose to Ipswich for the first time since 2009. It's, I think it's genuinely very possible. Sue me. Um, also, throughout the season, Norwich are going to change from their loose 4-4-2 to a more conventional 4-2-3-1. And I think that's because the single-man pivot, or the one we were using anyway, isn't that sustainable across an entire championship campaign. And I think as a result of that, they're going to find that they're a bit short in the deeper midfield areas. And that is where a lot of games are going to be lost this year. Uh, on Saturday, though, I think it will take just 15 minutes for an unironic get it forward from the city stand. So there's that. I also think at, this, at some point this season, Ashley Barnes is going to catch his reflection in an advertisement hoarding and try and start a fight with himself. So that'll be fun. Uh, during one of the three games against QPR this year, I reckon someone's going to have the thought, huh, they're both playing in hoops. That's a bit weird, isn't it? I also think Kenny McLean will put his arms up apologising so many times this season that they'll eventually get stuck there and will have to retire because he can't fit through the tunnel anymore. And lastly, Onel Hernandez is going to celebrate a goal by miming scrolling through a catalogue in tribute to the Argos at Riverside that's recently closed down. So there we go. They are my predictions for the 23-24 season. Hope the pod's going well, guys. Speak to you soon. I mean, in fairness, if if that happens, we've had a great season because there's so much gold there. Yeah, although real injury issues if Barnes is like, you know, taken out on advertising hoardings, that <laughs> that could be an injury risk and Kenny can't get through the tunnel. So, uh, yeah, we'd, ha- we'd have a job putting an 11 together. But oh, we still dear. finish in the top half in, in spite of all of that in uh, exactly. Ryan Bennett Universe. So, yeah, exactly. I'm, right. I'm up for that. Um, things to pick up there. What was I thinking? Uh, Liam Gibbs has signed a new contract. That's exciting. Uh, and he's number eight now. He is number eight. And, Josh and Sergeant's is number nine. Yeah, mm, the so, big promotions. Indeed. It was lovely speaking to Josh after the game on the Olympiacos friendly on Saturday. He seems to have grown into himself as a person. Not that there was an issue before, but he just seemed like a, I don't know, he sort of filled the room more, which is good to see and bodes well, I think. Uh, and yes, Norwich have a new goalkeeping coach, also from Huddersfield. And he does actually know David Wagner from Huddersfield, which is Paul Clements. Because obviously Ed Wooden has joined Daniel Farker at Leeds. Oh. I am... Um, uh, before we move on, I just feel like because it, it does feel like there's been a lot of pro Ipswich sentiment. So Ollie Crook's comment is worth mentioning. Why are we so worried about a team that finished second in League One? They went on a poor run like ourselves. We could have halted our poor form if we faced Morecambe or Forest Green in those fixtures. Who knows if he's right or wrong, but I think we we do need to redress the balance here. You know, just just for the sake of reminding ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think it's uh, I think it's trepidation. I think the problem I have is yeah. that. Uh, I experienced a lot of time where we did never beat them. <laughs> and um, I, there's a generation of Norwich fans who have never experienced what that's like. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, so I'd have happily never played them again. Um, but, you know, here it is. Away we go. There's nothing quite like sitting just before kickoff at an East Anglian derby. Uh, well, apart from other derbies, if you're a supporter of other clubs, obviously. But you get my point. Um I'm sure there was something else I was going to discuss from Ryan's stuff there, but I can't remember what it was. So shall we move on to our final prediction, um, which is from the lovely Zoe Morgan. Go on, Zoe. Hi, Michael Bailey. 
Hello NCFC numbers. Sorry I can't be with you tonight, but I'm at the cinema watching Barbie, enjoying the last few days before the crippling turmoil of the championship starts again. As we learned last year, I'm quite terrible at predictions. However, I resolutely refuse to be negative until there's absolutely no doubt that the season has turned into a burning hellscape. So, as ever, I'm here with some optimism. We're going to win the league. If I have to be more realistic, we'll come second. Never mind that Leicester have signed centre-back who's in the England squad. Shane Duffy looks absolutely enormous, and what more could you want than that? I do think we might have a slightly shaky start on our way to the title, although recent history would suggest that's no bad thing. The players and the fans need to learn to trust each other again, and that takes time, especially when you spent most of last season dozing off during games. And I mean fans and players, by the way. I hope that Gabby Sarah will win the Barry Butler Memorial Trophy again, because if it does, it means he's stayed and he's played. We absolutely need him and Kenny to stay fit for the majority of the season. My unlikely hero is going to be Ashley Barnes's elbows. We've been desperate for somebody to put themselves about a bit, and while it not may, might not be cultured, might not be pretty, I'm not averse to a bit of grunt every now and then. I have a feeling that Max will still be here until January at least. At what point do we let him have a game if it looks like he's not going anywhere? I also have a feeling in my waters that Stuart Webber's leaving date will keep getting nudged forward, and eventually we'll all have to just pretend he never said he wanted to go. This will be the year of Marcelino Nunez. He's really going to get going this season, be a vital part of any creativity we might muster. I'm failing to think of much more to offer than that. I firmly believe football shouldn't start again until September, so I'll spend August learning the names of our new signings. Genuinely, though, I just want it to be a happy season. I think everyone's had enough doom and gloom. On the ball, City. See you soon. Oh, and I think Fastnacht will be good because he's friends with Tim Closer and that's enough for me. Love you. Bye. Well, that there, I th- we should just end the podcast now. <laughs> that is the the height of 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 good feeling. Um, and yes, Gabby Sarah is still here. I wasn't necessarily convinced he would be. Um, yeah, that's a plus. Um, there we go. I mean, I think I think people in Norwich were convinced they'd be able to sell him for twenty five million quid to a European club. So I guess by the same token, he's another player who hasn't <laughs> had that offer. But that's the benefit of Norwich. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think: Should we do a who's going to go? Who's going to leave first, Max Aaron's or Stuart Weber? Like, who's going to be <laughs> the longest? I feel like both of them have been on their way out for years. But um, yeah, I know who I'd like it to be more, but yeah, I can't say. We've got all season for that stuff. Don't worry, yeah, Steve. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we've not brought up any uh, Weber comments today because uh, yeah, there's there's a few more of those to. Uh, so was that was that uh, was that after? Our last podcast, have we We not? Yeah, I suppose we've not done a podcast since Stuart Webber did his round of interviews, have we? We haven't. So, I mean, um, I, didn't, I didn't know if he wanted to go there. I feel like that's... Uh, I, 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 all I would say on the subject is <laughs> I... <laughs> and we're going to be here for another half an hour. All I would say on the subject is I, I, I did the interview. I wrote the piece. I wrote the piece that was from the interview. Um, it's there to be read um if anyone says stuff was t- taken out of context in that piece well to be honest they're lying um it's not true it's all there i would you know one day i could play all the audio and everyone would realize instantaneously that there was nothing taken out of context um and there's no agendas i just go and speak to people and then i hear what they say and then i write it up and that's all i've ever done so yeah 
it is what it is. Um, and I've really enjoyed the Women's World Cup. And also, um, Norwich uh, City women are playing at Carrow Road on the 10th of September, which I would very much be at if it wasn't for the fact that I'm supposed to be running the Great North Run, which I should really start some training for. Um, but I would sincerely suggest if you missed it last time or you went last time, go again. It's, it was a brilliant occasion. Uh, last time and i think it's great to i there is no there is no ceiling on women's football uh, honestly uh, if you don't like women's football no one cares you're then irrelevant go and enjoy something you do like and leave it to the people who do enjoy it and i i just think there's so much growth in the sport and um to be honest given a lot of men stopped most women playing football for a long time the least you can do is shut up about it and let the sport do its thing and catch up so yes I think that's all I wanted to say on that. Amen to that. I feel like that would have been a good moment for my Wi-Fi to have gone down again. And just let you go. But, <laughs> just but, leave um, me in the goal. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of it. Um, should we? Should we do our own predictions? I feel like we can't. Oh, I really didn't want to do that. Well, I know you didn't, but because <laughs> I had that all teed up. We can't. We can't ask uh, Ryan, Dan, and Zoe to. We absolutely no. That's all I've done no, for like I'm, fifteen years. I'm I don't have to do anything. At least pin you down to a where are we going to finish? I am saying. I'm, I'm saying that despite all the positivity, I do still think we're lacking a bit in creative areas. I actually do worry a little bit that we might, if we're going to play two up top, have we got enough strikers? I know like nobody's saying that, but I, I'm slightly concerned about it. And I just think that we haven't got, I'm not sure we've got a player who can break teams down and that might count against us. So I have us as 11th. Any advance on that? Upwards, no. <laughs> um, I've, I've seen Stephen Bird has, has, has messaged in um, the Guardian of, I believe, I'm quite quoting Stephen said Norwich also look too workmanlike to trouble the top two. Uh, yeah, see, this is the expectation difficulty I have, and I've gone into every season, and I'm it's more than capable of me being proven wrong every time, um, and I'm aware of that very much. But I look at this group. And I see a group that is not better than last season. I don't, I don't think it's as good a squad. So if they finish above 13th, which is where they finished last year, no caveats to that. That was about as good as they were, really. Um, then that would be a success. So I think they could finish lower mid-table. I don't expect them to finish much beyond that. And I genuinely think that a promotion, a, a, promo, a, a season of being a promotion contender will be difficult. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Doesn't mean I won't be wrong. But yeah, I would incline. I'm inclined to agree with you, Steve. But I would also say I think they probably recruited enough so that there's not an issue the other way, and there can still be that issue if you take things for granted. So I, I think they should be all right. Um, yeah. Okay. I, that feels like as, as close as I'm going to get. Um, just okay. Just a quick one. In two words, are they more likely to finish top six or bottom six? Because that, I, I think it's genuinely close. I think it's genuinely close, and I'm not sure. So I would have said, I would have, I would have said at the end, yeah, I would have said at the end of last season when the lineup was set, bottom three or bottom six. <laughs> I would now probably say top six because I feel like there's a few other clubs in trouble. But realistically, I don't. I, it's, I think they'll finish in the middle, so I don't see mm, either. Okay. Mega cop out. All right, well, let's move on. No, to I just know. I just they are. Championship mediocrity. Player of the season? Shout on that. Uh well, why not? What does it what does it what does it matter? Oh, Dan El <laughs> Um 
Um, I could see Gabby Sarah winning it again, actually, and then maybe, but actually doing it with with more conviction this time around, assuming someone doesn't offer twenty five million quid for him in January. He's feeling more and more pivotal. I'm gonna I'm gonna go slightly left field, and on the basis that we'll be better in defence than attack, I'm gonna say that Shane Duffy will stay fit all season and will be the kind of player that fans love. And I think Duffy will win player of the season. That's going to look like a horrible take in nine months, but uh, I don't care. Um, and I think I agree with Zoe. I, I feel like even though I don't think he'll start on Saturday, it could be a Nunez. I, I feel like this could be a Nunez breakout season. I really hope so. He's he's a fun player to watch when he's on his game. And um, I don't quite know where he fits into this 4 4 but um, I'm also not convinced that the 4-4-2 will last the course of the season or indeed that the manager will last the course of the season. So we'll see. I think Marcelino will still be here, though. So um, I hope that we get to see some more from him. Yeah, he's um, he's probably going to be my curiosity of the season, really. He's the player where I, I feel like I know a lot of what everyone else will bring or could have form an opinion on what they'll do. But Marcelino, I'm really not sure. I mean, he it still sounds like he, you know, he's probably still mostly not speaking in English. And I, I, I don't know. I just wonder how settled he is. And last season, he really struggled to get anywhere near to where he was at the very start of it. It seemed like the player that arrived from Chile was had a real impact and, and had real quality and was playing with a real looseness. And with, the, with most of the time with each passing week in England, it just was sort of tightening him up. And um, I don't know how much of a break he's had because he seemed to get thrown in quite quickly, um, having played for Chile at the end of last season as well. Um, and he's not, I don't know, it's sort of he's hes there, but seems quite sort of in a similar sort of position from the start of this season or in pre-season anyway. So I don't know what, I, I feel like it could go either way. I think it could really click. And I know there's so much quality in him and I, I, I love him when he's, doing that stuff and there's things you can do with the ball that other players can't but I just I don't know if there'll be too much around him and it we might get to the we could just as likely get to the end of next end of the season and just go ah it's not really worked does it yeah. and I think he would have interest from elsewhere because there's probably enough in his game that stands out so well, 15 million pounds right that's uh you know <laughs> that, that was definitely a thing um <laughs> I mean, and, and, and the flip side of that, the, to, to throw a positive on that, and I know very different price tags and everything and the expectation, but I, I think for Sarah to be, to have come over from Brazil and got off a bit of a slow start, but be at the point where we're now saying he is pivotal to this team. He is the best player that, you know, we have and is the likeliest winner of the Player of the Season award. I think it's, it's bloody good going. And like, you consider how many flops we've had that have cost money. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. So, yeah. He, he, I think, yeah, Norwich's recruitment team does. And uh, yeah, I would say the ways Gabby took took care of himself and, and settled in, I think, is I just love seeing him sitting there speaking fluent English. I think it's that's testament really to what he has done since he's been here, as well as how he's grown into the into his into his football as well. So I, one of the players I genuinely look forward to seeing play next season, mm-hmm. which is about to start, Steve. I cannot wait. Um... In, I mean, and I think Zoe summed it up. Let's just hope it's enjoyable, right? I don't, <laughs> don't even care if we finish in the bottom half. If we see some fun and we see some goals at Carrow Road and we get a team we can get behind, I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll take it. 
And on that note, we shall wrap this podcast up, I think. Um, That is it. Another season of On The Ball has begun. A welcome return for the Norwich City podcast that is already feeling tight in the groin. Uh, If you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. Have a search and I am sure you will find them. Ratings and reviews where they're prompted are always hugely appreciated. If you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, um, well, I've said here, you can send me a message on a direct message on Twitter, which is at Michael J. Bailey, but I don't know if that facility is still available because Elon is, you know, doing his X stuff. But I'm sure you'll find a way. You're all very, very um, clever people. And I'm sure you'll find a way to get a message to me. A uh, big thank you to our guests this evening, which is basically you, Steve. So thank you, Steve. <laughs> thank you. Thank you to everyone who left a comment as well. I'm sorry that we couldn't go through all of them, but uh, always appreciate it. Exactly. And uh, really crucial to the podcast that we get your input. So thank you for all the comments and questions. They were great. Thanks to Dan, Ryan and Zoe for their predictions as well. We will definitely be holding them against them. Uh, as we get to the end of the season, as I'm sure will be the case with ours too, Steve. Um, enjoy the big cook-off, and we will see you in about a fortnight. Uh, until then, never mind the danger. <laughs> <laughs>